You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. So, well, good morning. My name is Ricky, and uh, very grateful to be with you all this morning. And uh, as Lee mentioned earlier, when he did the welcome, some of you weren't in here, but Pastor Brad is, is out this morning. He's not out of commission. He's actually with our friends across town at Fuquay, um, in Fuquay's at Wake Chapel Christian Church. And he's, he's preaching there this morning, filling in for uh, their pastor and his good friend, Isaac Mooneyham. It's, it's not a last minute thing. It's been, it's been planned in a morning that they all have been looking forward to. And then continue to pray for David, the Calvert family, as they are in D.C. And Jesse, their, their youngest, is having surgery tomorrow. And uh, you can stay up to date on that by being on Faith Life, which is a way we connect digitally uh, with the church through prayer requests, announcements. This week, there were a couple free TVs on Faith Life that might get you if a prayer request doesn't. But you can join Faith Life by going to our website, um, click connect, click connect with Faith Life, and uh, you, can, you can get on Faith Life. Always happy to help you with that as well. As well as Pastor Jeff, he's out heading to Arizona, senior trip with his two children who have graduated high school. Uh, so please be in prayer for all these, uh, these men this morning. Well, anyway, this morning's text is going to be the letter of 3 John. So you can go ahead. If you haven't uh, seen 3 John, it's toward the back before. A lot of your pages are probably white whenever it comes to, to 3 John. Maybe by the end of this morning, they'll be crinkled a little bit. You might even have a coffee drip or two. But you can go ahead and flip over to 3 John. Uh, Pastor Brad actually just probably three weeks ago finished up a series uh, through the Gospel of John. Uh, so many of you may have already shelved your John journal, understandably, because then we had two weeks ago a panel of elders who had a discussion on this series through the Gospel of John, and that kind of wrapped it up. Well, even though you've shelved those John journals, we're not quite done yet with hearing what John has to say to us. Um, I trust we never will be, as uh, there's plenty that he has to say to us uh, for the rest of our lives. Well, I was able to preach a month and a half ago, and I preached on the letter of 2 John. And 2 John, well, it's unlike 3 John. You see, 3 John, it's not very theological in nature. Uh, 3 John, it's more practical. And as we go through 3 John this morning, I trust that the Lord has for us a practical message, that that's what he would have us hear this morning. If you recall from a month and a half ago, uh, when we talked about 2 John, it was written because John was dealing with some false teachers. He knew there were some false teachers who were heading into town toward this church that he carried very much for. So he, he grabbed some paper, he scribbled out a bit of a postcard of a letter, and he sent it on to the people. And that is the letter of 2 John. And this letter was a bit of a warning. And we saw in that letter that truth and love, they are inseparable in reading John's words. And we also saw that walking in the truth is the most loving thing you can do. Walking in God's truth is the most loving thing you can do. Second John, it was, it was written again to a church, the elect lady, who was a church, and it was to instruct them on whom not to open their doors to. That was the focus in Second John. Third John is very different, and yet it's very similar. Third John's not written to a church. It's written to a person. Specifically, it's written to Gaius, and John's given instruction in the letter of 3 John of whom we should be opening our doors to. You see, 2nd and 3 John, these letters, they're written, if you boil it down, they're written really in giving instructions regarding hospitality, whom you should receive, whom you should not receive, how you should receive them, and how you should send them out, etc., 
As Pastor John Stott says, a commentator I always go to, very blessed by his ministry, the positive instruction of the third letter, which we'll read this morning, is complementary to the more negative instruction of the second. You see, the two letters, much, they must be read together if we're to gain a balanced understanding of the duties and limits of Christian hospitality. So I'm grateful this morning to get to preach again so that we can look at John's third letter and balance it a bit with his second letter that we looked at about six weeks ago. So let's jump right in. And as is our custom at Grace, I'm going to ask you to stand out of respect for God's word. And we're going to read the letter of 3 John. I will just read it. It's going to be on the screen. And um, you're not going to be standing for long. Don't worry. 3 John is the shortest book in the Bible. So here we go. 3 John, beginning with verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I'll bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone, and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I'd rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be with you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Let me pray for us. Father, we come to you this morning, asking you to teach us through your word. By the power of your spirit, for your glory, Lord, we know it'll be for our good. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I'm sure that you all, when we think about hospitality, you can think of some things that have made you feel welcome at times. No doubt, feeling safe is very important to feeling welcome, but it doesn't have to be something so serious. Maybe check on Mr. Lee there. Is he all right? Just give him a little tap. Huh? Hey, Mr. Lee. So I'm sure you can all think of things that have made you feel welcome at times. Thinking about hospitality. You know those people's houses you love to go to? Maybe you're the house that people love to go to. Of course, you want to feel safe. And when I was at camp for all these years, that was the number one thing. People can't, well, they can't enjoy themselves if they don't feel safe. Hospitality, it can be simple. Not only this big program to keep you safe, it can be something as simple as a fridge full of yoo-hoos. Kids, you like yoo-hoos? Probably have your attention. I have a yoo-hoo for every kid in here. I'm just kidding. I do not have a yoo-hoo for every kid. I'm sorry. All the dads are disappointed too. You know, you're hoping they're extras. Maybe that's just me. 
when April and I worked at TVR, we had to do a lot of traveling for camp. So we were there for 10 years, and part of the ministry there is you traveled and you spoke at churches, and you, you would go and you do whatever they, that they needed. You just kept relationships up with the churches. So we were always traveling and visiting these different churches. Well, there was this one family in Greenville, North Carolina, we would always stay with. And one of the many ways this family made us feel welcome is that they always had a fridge stocked with yoo-hoo's. One time, I mentioned I like yoo-hoo's. And we come, and there's a fridge stocked with yoo-hoo's. Their son-in-law also liked yoo-hoo's. So I would get there. We would sit on the couch all night. We would talk until way too late, and I would drink a yoo-hoo or two. (laughs) And then I would take one to go because they had a a fridge full of them. You can only drink so many yoo-hoo's. Hospitality, it can be. It can be yoo-hoo's. But hospitality is also more than yoo-hoo's. Also, when we were at camp, we would have people stay with us all the time. And that's not a bad thing. It was a good thing. It was part of the deal. And, um, well, when you go someplace, you always want there to be clean bed sheets, right? Always. Hospitality requires some clean bed sheets. Well, this family one night, they were going to stay with us. Uh, they were coming in from Grand Rapids, and they were arriving late. It was probably 10 or 11 o'clock, and this family had two children. Well, they put them with us, and we lived in a trailer at the time up past the chalet. If you've been to TVR, there's a pasture, and there's a single wide trailer. We lived in this trailer, and it was a three-bedroom trailer. So one of our rooms, we put two pallets on the floor for their two boys, and then we had a double bed in the other room uh, for the parents. We got them settled into their rooms. We, we went to bed, turned in for the night. It was very late. Uh, first time we'd ever met them. And then I get a knock on the door, and it was, uh, it was interesting. I was asked one of the oddest questions I've ever been asked in my life. I open the door, and this lady looks at me, and she says, uh, does your dog like to hide its food under the covers? And to which I thought I was, probably thought I was in a dream in which dogs carried their food and made up beds, and I, I was thinking, like, uh. and then it occurred to, to us, April and I put it together in our heads, what these two adults probably had already put together between the dog food in our laundry room uh, as well as the mouse traps all over the house tucked away in the corners. They put it together that these mice, they had to have been stashing dog food under our guest bed covers. Oh man. So we did what probably most of you would do. We pretended, oh, our dog is crazy. He does wild things. So that dog and we cleaned up the dog food from under the covers and we didn't look them in the eye and we went to bed quickly. It was a disaster for April and me. But yet, this family, they felt welcome. They felt loved. For years after that, they would still bring up how much they appreciated us letting them stay with, uh, letting them stay with us in the, in, the, in the trailer. They still felt welcome. I'm grateful for that. Clearly, hospitality, it can be clean bed sheets. It can be a fridge stocked with yoo-hoos. But it's also more than that. In, the third, in third John, the apostle John, who is the, the elder, he's affectionately writing to Gaius. And he tells Gaius, he tells him many things in hopes to encourage him to continue welcoming and supporting fellow workers in the truth. That's the message John has for Gaius. And I believe this is the message the Lord has for us this morning. A very practical message that we are to welcome and support fellow workers in the truth with love. It's Christian hospitality. So we're going to go back through the letter of 3 John, just verse by verse. And as we go through this morning, I hope that we will see that hospitality is much more than just yoo-hoos and bedsheets. So beginning with verse 1, the elder, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. You're going to see there are four different characters in this, in this letter. It's written by John uh, with messages to or concerning Gaius. 
Diotrephes, and Demetrius. And while our names are definitely a lot easier to say today, while these men are definitely much older than many of you little ones in the room this morning, I think we all have something we can learn from these men, whether it be through their example, positive or negative, or through John's instruction. But first, I want us to not miss something. I don't want us to miss the love, just sheer love that John expresses for Gaius. I mean, just glance down, look at the letter. How many times he refers to John as beloved? There are common bonds in the truth, and they share these things. You know what it's like. There's only so deep you can go with someone. But if they're a Christian, somehow you just begin deeper. And these men shared this bond. I truly love John Bart. And I could just be saying, well, I truly love John Bart. And, well, John could be saying, I truly love Gaius. But I think John's saying something a lot deeper. He's saying their bond, it is because they both walk in the truth. Together they live in accordance with the gospel. My love for John Bart is not just that I truly love him, but I love him because, well, our bond is deeper. It's through Jesus because we both together walk in the truth, helping one another live in accordance with Jesus' gospel. A Christian is able to just feel closer with another Christian. It's the way the Lord designed it, and I'm grateful. So point one for you this morning from Verse one is this, Christian hospitality, it requires that we love people who are in the truth. Well, for some of you, especially men, you might get a little uncomfortable with all this love talk. It's not, your, it's not really your thing. I bet then a letter from John written to you and read publicly would have made you blush. But we need to know Christianity, while it's not just yoo-hoos and clean bed sheets, Christianity is also not just that of boys and bro hugs. Christian hospitality, it's love. It involves being committed to one another, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ deeply, affectionately, and personally. Looking to verses 2 through 8, is where we're going to get our second point, which is this. Christian hospitality requires that we invest in people who are walking in the truth. Now, rightfully so, when we think of investing, we think of money. That's typical. That's what I think of. But really, we know there are multiple ways you can uh, invest. It's just not, just not money. I mean, if you want to talk about getting a return on your investments in money, you might want to talk to some of our financial nerds, uh, Charlie Williams, Terry Bass. There are some of them in here. Uh, if you want to get a return on your gardening, then you might want to talk to Mike Moneypenny, Deb Moneypenny. You might want to talk to Jim Pittman on how they get these plants to split and they get a return on their investment. If you want to talk about getting a return in customers, we have business owners such as Lee Williford, Jason Woodall. You might want to ask them. There are multiple ways to get returns on investments. There are multiple ways to invest. Kids, to beat a video game or to solve a Rubik's Cube, to master an instrument. What is it that you have to invest, kids? I heard somebody say it. Say it again. Time, that's it. You've got to invest time. You've got to give time. Christian hospitality, it requires that we invest in people who are walking in the truth. Thankfully, it doesn't require green thumb. It doesn't require financial smarts, business smarts. It doesn't even require a specific amount of time. No. Let's look to verse 2 and see the first way we all can invest in those who walk in the truth. John says, Beloved, I pray 
that all may go well with you, and that you may be good in health as it goes well with your soul. We can invest in those walking in truth through prayer. There are many things we can pray for whenever it comes to praying for one another who walk in the way of the truth. John's received word about Gaius, and he knows Gaius' soul, his spiritual life must be good. I mean, he's doing so well. This is a great word that John has received about Gaius, but he didn't hear about his health. John's concerned about that. More than just his spiritual life, John wants to make sure that his physical life is doing well too. Let's also pray for physical health. Let's pray for material needs. Let's pray for whatever it is fellow Christians walking in the truth need. Missionary Hudson Taylor, of whom my son is named after, he reminds us to bring every need we have to God in prayer, no matter what it is. You see, Hudson Taylor, one time, he was on this, uh, this trip, sailing on a ship in 1854. He was near New Guinea, and he noticed a look of distress on the captain's face. And, and Hudson goes up, and he asks the captain why it is he's so distressed. And the captain looks at him, and he says, well, there's a, there's a four-knot current that's taken us toward the reef over there, the sunken reef, which is near the islands. He looks at the islands, and they see that there are cannibals lighting fires on the islands, waiting for them to come. The captain, though, he persisted. Everything's been done. I mean, there is nothing else we can do. But then Hudson looked at him. He says, no, not everything. You see, there are four Christians on this ship, and we have yet to pray. And Hudson said, we're going to go. We're going to pray for a breeze to come immediately. And those four boys, they went down into the cabin, and they started praying, intense prayer. And they came out just a few moments later. And Hudson tells the first officer to lower the sails. And the first officer mocks him and says, you can't pray up a breeze. In that time, the, the sail started to flutter, and Hudson cried out, let down the sail. They let the sail down right as the captain walked out for a breeze to fill it and to take them away from the reef and away from the cannibals. Yes, we should pray for spiritual needs, but let us take seriously our access to God for whatever we need, whatever our Christian brothers and sisters need, the same God that Hudson Taylor prayed to and who answered his prayer, we have access to. And he hears us and he cares for us. Let us not let a need go unmet because we don't see the use in asking. Let us pray, invest through prayer for our Christians, brothers and sisters. Verses three through four. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. As indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Well, we can also invest in those walking in the truth through relationships. Again, it's, it's clear here, there is an affection that John is showing for Gaius. I mean, just the amount of joy that he feels. I mean, he is rejoicing to hear of Gaius' spiritual health, that he's walking in the truth, living his life in the truth of the gospel. You see, Gaius's well, his walk was backing up his talk. And we don't, we don't know the details of their relationship. We don't know why he's calling him his, his child. We, we don't know the investment that John has made. But one thing is clear. John has made an investment in Gaius's life. We can invest in relationships. I know you have heard of John Wesley. Many of you have heard of John Wesley. After preaching two years as an ordained minister, he was grateful to receive the call to come back to Oxford to be a teacher. And when he returned to Oxford, that's where his younger brother was, Charles, and he was a student, and he invited John to come and join him and a few fellows in a Bible study. 
where they met together, they prayed, they practiced the spiritual disciplines. These young men wanted to live for God. They'd get up at 4 a.m., study the Bible. They would pray together. They would meet and fast regularly. They lived sacrificially together. They, they gave to one another. They paid off prisoners' debts. They bought food and clothing for those who were in need. And John, the older brother, would eventually become their leader. And they were made fun of for their pursuit of holiness. People, people well, they said, your, your methods are crazy. You Methodists, they would call them. They would say they're the holy club. But this group of guys, they determined to invest in one another for their spiritual good and for the world. And from this small group of men at Oxford would come, of course, John Wesley, who played a major role in the Great Awakening, founded Methodism. Also, his younger brother, Charles, who would write over 6,500 hymns. And George Whitfield, one of my personal favorites, who played a major role in the Great Awakening as well. It's believed that every, up to 80% of every person in the United States heard him preach at least once in the 1700s. It's amazing. We all have relationships, and they matter. Are you using your relationships with one another to invest in the kingdom? Verses 5 through 8. Beloved, again, beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers. Strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you'll do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these. We may be fellow workers for the truth. We can also invest in those walking in the truth through sharing our resources. Share our resources. Gaius' reputation was reported as having shown love to these itinerant preachers that John had a relationship with, these missionaries who would go around but John, he has reason for concern. You see, he wrote to encourage Gaius, but he also wrote to warn Gaius. John knew that there was another man nearby. This man did not share in Gaius' reputation. And John didn't want Gaius, his child in the Lord, to be influenced by this man. You see, knowing what Gaius has done, John wants to be sure that Gaius also knows what John expects that he will do. John wants to be sure that those who have gone out for the sake of the name, that's Jesus, that they will have all they need. Guys, keep on. And even more so, I want you to make sure they have all they need, pointing out that those itinerant preachers, they're not soliciting funds from nonbelievers. Now, while I believe we can take this, this verse and we can apply it to investing in one another um, in our re- through our resources as we, we have with these other verses, I must say there's a clear intention here that John has. We can see John wants to make sure that Gaius understands that itinerant preachers, that these missionaries who are proclaiming the gospel, he wants Gaius to know they're to be financially supported by other Christians. And I do believe our church does an amazing job at this. But the individual Christian is who is most in view here as being expected to support missionaries. Now, I'm not saying that there's not, I'm not saying that the primary responsibility for supporting missionaries is on individuals instead of the church. Not, not at all. I'm nowhere saying that we need to scrap the missions team. Remember, 2 John is written to a church, 3 John's written to an individual. 
to a person. And it's clear in 3 John that he is telling Gaius that Christians should support missionaries with their personal resources. Yes, a portion of our church budget here goes to support missions. But the question we must ask in looking at 3 John verses 5 through 8 is how about us? Are we personally supporting Christian mission work with the resources the Lord has given us? Are we supporting them with those resources that they can't get from the world? John models for us Christian hospitality. It's shown to us all throughout his tone here, his concern. It's shown, he says, through prayer for one another, through relationships with one another. And John clearly instructs us that Christian hospitality requires that we share our resources with one another, specifically with Christian missionaries. George Mueller is another man I know many of you have heard of. George Mueller was an amazing man. He wouldn't say so. But he was a pastor. He was an educator. He founded an orphanage. As many Christians have done, George Mueller determined that he felt led that he should only let his needs be known to God. And in his lifetime, George Mueller received everything he ever needed, as well as he gave freely. George Mueller received over one and a half million pounds in his lifetime, which today would be over $121 million. And to demonstrate how much he gave, at the time of his death, he was worth $850. $500 of it um, accounted for his furniture. And my point in saying this is not that missionaries should follow George Mueller's example and not asking for money. Not at all. My point is for us to follow the example of the many who gave freely so that George Mueller never had to ask anyone but God. Christian hospitality requires that we love people in the truth, that we invest in people who are walking in the truth. Then our final point, that we use our influence to promote the truth. Verses 9 through 12. See, I mentioned a few moments ago that John, he wants to be sure that Gaius isn't being influenced by this other man. Unfortunately, there's a name in the Bible that's preserved for us as an example of who not to follow. This man is named Diotrephes. Let's read verses 9 and 10. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. In using our influence to promote the truth, let us not be like Diotrephes. Do not promote yourself like Diotrephes. I'm sure we all know a diatrophies. You might can picture one. You may have encountered one. This is the person whose character and behavior clearly doesn't match up with the truth of the gospel, even though they're in the church. Clearly, there's another letter that's been written. It's not 1 John or 2 John that, that John's referring to here. Uh, maybe diatrophies, I don't know, maybe he got it and tore it up. I don't know. We don't have this letter, but clearly we see that the problem here between John and diatrophies, it's not a theological problem. John has no qualms with calling out heresy. He does that quickly. What we have here is a problem that's practical. It's a problem of agendas. 
Christian hospitality calls for supporting the truth in love, with love. But Diotrephes, no. He only looks out for himself. This is a selfish man who rejects authority. He gossips, and he rejects those who are sent by God. And then he threatens those who dare think about crossing him. Diotrephes, he only looks out for number one, promoting himself and his agenda with no tolerance for any instruction. I'm sure we all know the Diotrephes. However, I'm sure the Lord didn't just put Diotrephes in this letter so that we would know not to dare name our children Diotrephes or so that we could spit and think and uh, point our finger at Diotrephes for all of time. No, I'm thankful that Diotrephes is here. It's recorded, and I can be reminded how much like Diotrephes I can easily be. Who doesn't at times want to put themselves first? Who at times doesn't want to reject God-given, God-ordained, God-honoring authority? The warning here, John is saying, don't be like Diotrephes. John says there's another way. Let me introduce you to Demetrius, verses 11 and 12. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. And using our influence to promote the truth Promote the truth with your life like Demetrius. Promote the truth with your life like Demetrius. I love verse 11. This is classic John and in the Apostle John. In so many ways, it just sums up all the letters of John that we have recorded. I'll read it again. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whatever does, whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Now, this is a verse I don't even have to explain to the children. But yet, it is one that I need to be reminded of time and time again. You see, John, he says the hard things. And he, even though Gaius has been doing wonderfully, he brings Gaius to a point of a decision here. And he says, all right, which is it going to be? No matter our track record, no matter what we've done, our intentions, every day we have to decide, don't we? We have to wake up and we have to decide, will I imitate evil or will I imitate good? John says, choose carefully. For whichever you choose reveals your spiritual condition. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. John's saying, don't be like Diotrephes, who likes to promote himself. John's saying, Gaius And to us this morning, he's saying, I want you to use your life to promote the truth of the gospel like Demetrius. Demetrius's life, it is proof of the truth because he evidently lives out the truth of the gospel in doing good. Be a fellow worker of the truth, John is saying. Be like Demetrius, supporting the truth with love. It's Christian hospitality. Our last verses, 13 through 15. But I have much... To write to you, but I'd rather not use pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Back where we began, 
how personal and affectionate John is. Not only does John want God's people to love those who are in the truth, to invest in those who are walking in the truth, to use our influence to promote the truth, but John is saying, my heart for God's people is to be together. I want to see you face to face. Talk face to face. Set one another at ease. Greet one another by name. John has just laid out for us a workshop on Christian hospitality. It's truly wonderful to be a part of the Christian family. This personal, this affectionate, this loving Christian family that John expects and has laid out for us. But I know some of you may be here this morning and you never experienced such a family. The most hospitable thing I can do for you this morning is to invite you into this Christian community through the only way possible in, by way of Jesus Christ. John, he wrote in his gospel, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, he says this, let your hearts not be troubled. Maybe some of you this morning hear this message and you see this community that's described in this love and affection and you, you want it. It's foreign to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what if I told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Talk about hospitality. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. You know, where, you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This morning, if you're like Thomas, you're asking, how can I know the way to Jesus this morning, to this truth? How can I walk in the truth? You must not be, you must not be like Diotrephes and putting yourself first. No. You must surrender your life to Jesus, giving him your past, present, and future. You must give yourself to Jesus, knowing that his perfect life that was lived is to your credit, that his death on the cross was in your place, and his resurrection on the third day from the grave is your future, and he will come again. And Jesus says, I will take you to myself. Where I will be, there you will be also. So if you came here this morning, you're not part of the family of God, I would love to say to you, welcome. And talk with you about how grace could support you. And for those who are part of the family of God, I hope that we hear, heed John's letter this morning. His instruction to Gaius to welcome and support fellow workers in the truth with love. It's Christian hospitality. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for Truly giving yourself away, sending your son, Jesus, to live the life we couldn't live, die the death that we deserve, and that he sits at the right hand of the Father that we too can have eternal life. Lord, let us not be selfish. Lord, let us live a life of hospitality, of giving. Lord, thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Would you please stand for the benediction? Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. 
feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.